Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate Team Mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi, guys. How are you all? Um, just straight off the bat, this episode might be a little shorter. I'm coming off a horrible week. <laughs> My AC was broken for most of this week. And as you guys all know, I'm in South Florida and it was over 90 degrees every single day with like 85% humidity and it was horrific to not have AC. My apartment is really not set up for not having air conditioning. We have carpeted floors and get no cross breezes like a lot of people in South Florida live in homes that, you know, they have tile floors, like beautiful windows and you can live without AC, but not so much my apartment. So I got no sleep all week and it was just really stressful. I was fighting with my apartment complex and things were just, it just wasn't good. Just wasn't, I just did not have a good week. And um, now I am tracking Hurricane Irma because it's possible that I am going to have to evacuate if it comes here. Right now, the models are showing it could possibly hit South Florida really hard or it could hit North Carolina. I hate to wish a hurricane on another state, but uh, let's just hope it goes super, super northeast and stays out in the Atlantic because I really would rather not have to evacuate. Um, I have sliding glass doors in my apartments and really no ability to put up, what's it called, Uh, like boards. I don't even know how I would get boards. I drive a Honda Civic. (laughs) I don't know how I would transfer them from Home Depot to my house. Like, they wouldn't fit in my car. I don't have a drill. It's a mess. So, if a hurricane is coming, I'm going to have to evacuate, which will, of course, fuck with the podcast. It's going to fuck with everything. So, if everybody can just say your prayers that Hurricane Irma does not hit South Florida, I would really, really, really appreciate it because... I had to evacuate last year for Hurricane Matthew, which luckily ended up skipping us, but it was it sucks. You have to drive, get in your car, drive five hours to Tampa. Um, it's like horrific leaving work. Like last year, we were like, okay, hope to see you soon. Like you just leave work. You have no idea if you're going to have a job. I work literally like one block from the ocean on Palm Beach Island, which is a very, 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 very narrow ocean where my where, I mean, a very narrow island where my office is, it's about, I don't know, a quarter of a mile wide. So it's just, it's, it's not great. It's not great. Although my building is old, like a lot of buildings on Palm Beach Island, and it was built to like sustain hurricanes and it has sustained hurricanes, but oh, it's just, it's very stressful. It's very stressful when you think a hurricane's coming which obviously everybody knows because Hurricane Harvey just like devastated Texas and to all my listeners in South Texas and Houston and on the Gulf, like, ugh, I feel for you guys so much. It's so awful. I know how awful natural disasters are and I just really hope that, (laughs) I hope that I can give you guys a podcast next week or for the next multiple weeks. That's another thing, like evacuating is so scary because you don't, you just don't know. Like, you don't know when. <laughs> you don't know when you'll be back. You know, I got in my car last year to drive to Tampa and was like, well, hope hope I'll be able to come home. Um, yeah, you, you just really, you really don't know. I guess if it's really, really bad, I would just drive my car up north and go home to Pennsylvania. I, like, I, I guess. But then I'd have to drive through North Carolina to even get there, I think. Oh, it'd be, it would be a disaster, guys. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty stressed. <laughs> it's been a really it's just been a bad and stressful week. And you know, it's really nerve-wracking when everybody at work starts talking about they they think the hurricane's coming. Most of the people I work with are native Floridians, so they like 
keep it really casual. So when they start talking about it, I get extra nervous. And as like a prepper and a planner, I can't fucking stand the way that everybody acts down here because they're like, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. It's going to miss us and like make fun of people for preparing. And I just, I just can't handle it. So yeah, just bear with me this week and maybe next week. I apologize if this is a short episode. But I'm fucking exhausted. <laughs> you know, I love doing this podcast, but I will admit, like, on weeks like this, I'm j- it's it can be hard to pull myself together. But, you know, my love of teen mom just sustains me through life. <laughs> so let's get into it. Uh, I'm going to start with Chelsea because I'm going to bitch about Chelsea. Chelsea fucking went on a Twitter rant this week crying about her bad edit that she's getting and how MTV is making it really unfair for Aubrey and it's like shut the fuck up Chelsea like she's not even getting a bad fucking edit this season she's not getting a bad edit at all she even said that the baby fever storyline was fake and MTV made her do it and it's like so give them something to film She's pissed that they made Aubrey look like she was bad with the animals. But, like, come on. Come on. Like, they're literally making Jace look like a fucking sociopath killer this season. Like, we should all be worried about Jace starting to set fires if we go by MTV's narrative. And, like, Aubrey actually, like, upon reflection, I thought that scene with Aubrey and Chelsea with the animals was, like, pretty impressive. Because right away, Aubrey admitted that she was wrong admitted that she wasn't doing what she was supposed to be doing and listened to Chelsea, which for a seven-year-old is, like, pretty impressive in my opinion. And so, yeah, I'm just watching Chelsea, like, melt down on Twitter because people are being mean to her is, like, it's so fucking rich. She gets paid so much money and has to show so fucking little for life. And it's like, okay, so you don't want MTV to portray you unfairly? Then, like, honestly, get off the show. Like, Imagine if Kale or Janelle or Amber or Farah, especially Farah and Sophia, like, got to show one, got to show the same stuff that Chelsea shows and then still complain about being treated unfairly. It's just, it's so ridiculous. And I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm over Chelsea. Um, She had a really fucking boring episode. There was a lot of weight talk. Did you guys notice that? I understand she's a new mom. She wants to lose the weight. But it was all in front of Aubrey, which I found to be, you know, not great. Um, As somebody whose mom, like, got some weight issues when I was a little older than Aubrey, it, like, didn't turn out great. I am, like, hypersensitive of parents talking about weight in front of their kids. Like, especially she's, like, completely going off carbs and then talking about needing to keep it tight for Cole. I don't know. So they have baby fever. They want to have more babies. We see Brittany, which is Chelsea number two. I know Chelsea Grace should be Chelsea number three, but I feel like Brittany like really fits a Chelsea number two better. I did find it funny that Chelsea said Aubrey was seven years old before she had somebody else to play with, like before she had another sibling. But I just want to step in and remind Chelsea that Aubrey was, like, four when Paisley was born. And she has another sister. (laughs) I know know Chelsea doesn't like to remind it of Paisley's existence. And that Aubrey has a family outside of hers. But it's a thing. So, yeah, literally nothing happened. They're going to have their wedding in Sioux Falls instead of, I'm assuming, uh, at the cabin. The one that... Randy owns. Oh, by the way, there was huge Randy and Janelle drama. This Randy loves to go after Janelle on Twitter. He just loves it. It's something that he does all the time. Not all the time, but often enough. Randy's such a mess on Twitter. I have this theory that he's messy on Twitter, so uh, Chelsea doesn't have to be. And he tweeted something like, you shouldn't yell in front of your kids. And Janelle, <laughs> Janelle retweeted it and called him a fat fuck. <laughs> It was so funny. And let me tell you, let me tell you how little I care about white Christian rich men being insulted for their looks. I care none at all. Like, yeah, on a grand scheme of thing, like never body shame. I understand like, please, I'm fat. Like, <laughs> I know how it feels to be called fat. Like, I get it. Like, being fat 
whatever this listen to on the plus side by the way are you guys listening to on the plus side i do the editing for it so i listen through every week it's really good um it's another emotionally broken psychos podcast hosted by lisa angelo and she it's about weight it's really great love it but er skirt back on topic i just don't care that janelle body shamed him i'm putting that in quotes and i just thought it was so funny because it's vintage Janelle to just like write in all caps hey fat fuck with an exclamation point (laughs) also like okay I know I have a podcast that like literally is to talk shit on the teen moms but the fact is like I don't work with them and I do think it's inappropriate for Randy who has every advantage in life that Janelle does not to like get on Twitter and like subtweet about her it just it's just gross because they, like, professionally know one another, and he has seen Janelle, like, go through horrific periods in her life, and she's so, you know, unwell. She's unwell. And that's part of the reason that I never want to talk to any of the teen moms or meet any of the teen moms, like, even if it was an option, because it just... Once you meet someone and know someone, like, you can't make fun of them. It's just... Because it's not right. It's just... It's just not right to do, in my opinion. And that's why I don't like Randy talking shit on Chanel. I just think it's gross. Um, I don't know where I was, but Chelsea had, like, a super, super boring week. You know, because now we're back to her, like, life is great. Oh, and I'm even surprised she's doing the second wedding reception. I'll be honest, I think it's pretty tacky. Like, they didn't get married. Like, They didn't get married at a courthouse. I understand, like, getting married at a courthouse, like, in front of nobody and then having a second wedding. But they got married in front of their friends and family. She says it's, like, super small, but all of her siblings were there. Cole's siblings were there. Their parents were there. And her best friends were there. I don't know. To then, like, have another whole wedding just seems like a lot to me. She wore a wedding dress. I don't know. I just, I'm not really into it. (laughs) I know... My opinion does not matter, but I'm just, in general, like, not really into the two-wedding thing. I just don't really get it, and I feel like most people who plan to have a second big wedding don't actually have it, and I was not surprised to hear that they're five months out and had zero details planned, including, like, a venue. Um, I, I just wasn't surprised to hear about it at all. I guess next week they're talking about just, like, popping up a tent. I don't know. It's just, like, in the last year she had that big-ass baby shower, Or the keg and diaper party, whatever, which looked super fun. All her friends and family were there. They had the small wedding. They'll probably have another baby shower when she's pregnant again within the next year. It just... Watson's first birthday will be around the time of the wedding a couple months after. It just seems, like, unnecessary, I guess, to me. But I also don't really... The idea of planning a big wedding, like, makes me want to die. So, (laughs) that's it. But yeah, I'm really surprised that they're going through with it because they seem busy and happy and like, you know, what's the point? What's the point? But yeah, Chelsea, if you don't like how you're being portrayed, like, cry me a fucking river, I don't care. I'm sorry, I just, I really don't. She's not even getting a bad edit. That's what drives me nuts. She's getting a real edit. Like, if, okay, I guess her main frustration is that she feels like when Aubrey looks back at this, she's gonna think that Chelsea was annoyed by her and according to her she's like done tons of things to like make sure that Aubrey knows she's not annoyed by her and like yeah I'm sure she has and the fact is Aubrey's eight years old like she has a memory (laughs) like she's gonna remember and I feel like seeing you know like on 16 and pregnant like seeing her dad call her a mistake and her mom a fat stretch mark bitch is like going to be significantly worse than anything that we've seen this season and if Chelsea like if Chelsea had come out and like done like a notes app tweet about like her feelings on the season and just been like you know look having two kids is a lot harder than I expected the adjustment period was rough but Aubrey knows she's loved even if like she comes off annoying to me sometimes like I spend a lot of time with her making sure that she knows that she isn't annoying to me and I love her so much. And then in parentheses, like, even if MTV doesn't show it, lol, like, that's it. All she has to do is, like, come out and acknowledge, like, yo, this has been fucking hard. Having two kids is way harder than I thought it'd be, but you know what? I love my husband. I love my daughter. I love my son. We're a happy family. We're through the adjustment period. We're on the other side and things are great. 
but what you're seeing is real and it's hard. If she'd come out and said that, I would have been like, cool, Chelsea. But no, she has to complain about her bad edit and how it's unfair and how this is like, I also, she's just like pretending that this is on behalf of Aubrey, which personally, I don't believe. I think she doesn't like that anybody is seeing her as anything but perfect, which it's just, it's stupid, to be honest. It's stupid. (laughs) Chelsea, get over it basically is what I'm saying. But yeah, she had a super short segment this episode. Actually, I feel like kind of everybody had short segments this episode. I was really feeling like the five girl format this week, which I hadn't been for the last couple episodes. I'd been really into the five girl format, but this week felt very short. So I'm going to go on to Brianna now because Brianna also had a short segment this week. I'm going to take a five second break right here. Okay, so, Brianna, what's going on with you, baby girl? Why are you so angry? (sighs) I just feel like Brianna is a self-fulfilling prophecy. And it's really frustrating. Like, look, I get it. Lewis cheated and Lewis fucked up. But what did you expect? I just think it's so crazy that she had this, like, she's just so immature, I guess. She had this idea that, like, her and Lewis, who she knew for one month when she got pregnant would move into this apartment and they would be like this perfect couple and happily ever after and everything would be great and the only reason that's not happening is because he cheated but like really Brianna I have news for you like that was never happening at all no matter what most likely because you don't have successful relationships where you get pregnant in one month you and your daughter who he doesn't know at all and has no relationship with move in with him when you're six months pregnant and then your baby's born and you just like live this perfect life of raising your new baby and his his what would be his stepdaughter together that just doesn't happen it's not realistic I believe in Brianna's first time not living with her family like she had this idea like that this was just all gonna work but in reality like I really believe in my heart like her and Lewis were not well matched they did not know each other And if they had moved in together with Nova, you know, it would have been a disaster. Brianna would have ended up hating him. He would have ended up hating her. Poor Nova would be, like, getting attached to this guy that's probably not going to stick around for her. I just think they had, like... I don't think Lewis had this, (laughs) clearly, or he wouldn't have cheated. But I think Brianna, like, really, truly in her heart believes that the only fucking reason that this isn't working is because of Lewis. And I just, I can't get on board with that. I don't agree with it. I think it isn't working and it would not have worked because they just weren't a real couple. You know, they weren't a real couple. Let's be real, like most couples moving in together at six months does not work. For most people that does not work. That's moving very fast and to do so with your daughter and then with the kid that you're having with him, a new relationship just most likely cannot take that pressure there's a reason that you date someone for a while then you move in together then you get married and then you have a baby like there is a reason that society you know wants that (laughs) there's a reason for it so the episode starts with Brittany and Brianna talking about Lewis looking for an apartment and Brittany wants him to like move in next door and needs him to step up and like I do agree like he should be close you know the rest of the episode is them just fighting about Lewis moving far away to the east side, which is a half hour away. Like, I do agree that that's far and that's far away and that you can't, it's hard to co-parent a newborn when you're 30 minutes away. But I don't see any situation in which they successfully co-parent a newborn unless they're living together which Brianna said, absolutely not. We're not doing that, which is reasonable. It's very reasonable that they would not be living together. But even if he moves in next door, like, I literally to the next apartment over, I just don't see Brianna and her mom and her sister, like, allowing Lewis to have any sort of active role in Stella's life. I, like, I hate to say that, and I don't think... I don't think they are pushing Lewis away. I think he's actively pushing himself away. But in my fantasy world where he moves in next door, like, I just don't see it working out. And I think a lot of people 
agree with me there. At least that's like the sentiment that I've been reading online. By the way, I'm so glad I didn't have to do a Reddit drama recap this week. So glad. So glad. So glad. So they have a doctor's appointment and yeah, Brianna's pissed. The whole episode is just her being pissed. And she's like, well, she talks to her friend and she's like, if he moves a half hour away, he's going to have to get his own crib and his own car seat and all his own stuff and do this himself. And it's like, shouldn't he? (laughs) Yeah, like, he's going to have to get his own car seat. Like, Like, if they are not living in the same home, like, he needs his own car seat and his own crib and his own high chair. I just, I don't really understand what Brianna was envisioning. Like, that he would just come over. I think she just wants him to, like, come over and hang out with the baby during the day. Like, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't understand how... Because to me, like, co-parenting a newborn if you're not with somebody, especially, like, if the mother's breastfeeding, like, it's not a ton of active dad involvement. I... Unless the dad is living there. Because a newborn needs to be with its primary caregiver, which in this case we know is going to be the mother. And newborns don't go and have custody schedules, you know, and spend every other weekend at their dad's house. And I guess in Brianna's world, in Brianna's mind, like, if he was living near them, he would be able to, like, spend the day with the baby, and then the baby could go back with her at night. I don't know. I've never co-parented at all, especially with the newborn. But I guess I just don't really understand, like, what Brianna envisioned I think Brianna's still just really fucking hurt that he cheated. And, you know, we get a scene of Brianna and Lewis talking and she starts crying about, like, how Stella isn't going to have all the things that she wanted Stella to have. And I was like, yeah, okay, finally we're, like, getting to the root of it. And the root of it is that Brianna had placed, like, all of these hopes and dreams in regard to baby Stella on her and Lewis being together. And she's like, dance class and private school. And I'm thinking, like, would those things have been able to happen even if they live together and we're in a couple, like, I don't, I think Brianna's just, like, having this crashing down of her fantasy, and it was kind of nice to, like, hear her admit it, but yeah, I just, it's just so unrealistic. Everything about them is so unrealistic, and it has been unrealistic, and, like, not for nothing, as I've said, you know, 5,000 times, this is why you get the abortion. It, it just is. This is why you get the abortion. Okay, let's go to the one interesting segment that happened this week. You guys know who I'm talking about. We're going to go to Miss Janelle, who had a fucking insane episode. And, I mean, it was just insane. We started with a really cute clip of Kaiser, like, loving on Ensley. And I was like, oh, this is so cute. And it was the only positive moment of her segment this week, I would say. Would you guys agree? (laughs) So we get a conversation of David and Janelle talking in their kitchen about how David wishes Jace was there more so he could take him hunting and fishing. And Janelle's like, he doesn't get to do any of that with my mom, which like, okay, he'll survive. Like he goes to school during the week. He sees you guys a lot of weekends. Like it, it's okay. It's okay if he's not hunting and fishing every day. And He's not stuck in her mom's house. Janelle is so dramatic. She's so dramatic. She thinks now that she has this land and this boyfriend that, like, Jay should be with her at all times, no matter what. So, David says, your mom is ridiculous. She needs to move on with her life. Oh, God. It's just needs to move. And Janelle's like, yeah, I wish she moved to Florida or something. Like, they act like Barbara is obsessed with them and Jace. And as I've expressed a thousand times on this podcast, like, Barbara is not perfect. She's not anywhere near perfect. But for them to, like, have the nerve to say that she should move on with her life is so fucking offensive and so wrong and so fucked up and, you know, a million other things. A million other things. It's just... I just can't believe she has the nerve. I just can't. I mean, I can believe it, but it's so ludicrous to hear it. And Janelle, the crazy thing about Janelle is that, like, she doesn't realize how ludicrous it is. (laughs) Even though she has millions of people tweeting at her all the time, she finds, like, the 14 people who are on her side and retweets them. 
So they do have a court case coming up May 20th. And Janelle says her number one choice is to get full custody. (laughs) Well, yeah, no shit, Janelle. Um, And David thinks that she'll get full custody without a doubt, which just shows how fucking stupid they are. And Janelle says, like, well, you know, he'll know. I've stopped talking about it with Jace, but he'll see when he grows up, like, what what his grandma did. And he'll be like, wow, my grandma kept me away from my mom. And I think... That when Jace grows up, he'll see how awful they both were. <laughs> I hope. You know, I I don't know. I, mm, mm, I'm worried about Jace. It's hard for me to say what he'll believe when he grows up. And Janelle makes the declaration that she's trying hard to save this before Jace has a fucked up childhood. And I about, about fell out of my chair. Like, uh, <laughs> oh, I think we're a little late. I think we're a little late for that. I think you started Jace's fucked up childhood before you even had him. When you were pregnant, you started it. And I think you have continued it since the moment he's been born. Janelle is just, she's out of her mind. And this episode was like, this episode was peak Janelle. And peak Janelle's delusion. And peak just how, how much David feeds into and escalates her delusions, you know, that there there's a reason she loves David so much, guys. And it's because he he tells her this type of shit. And it's because he like builds her head up so much. David's good at this. David's really good at this in my opinion. Um so our next scene is Barbara talking to Kristen the producer and Barbara feels good about the court date and she said that Jace is going to therapy once a week, which I was thrilled to hear. And, okay, then this is where I'm going to rage on Barbara a little bit. She says that Jace was sobbing because he didn't want to go to Janelle's house because David and Marissa are so mean to him. And if it was just Kaiser and Mommy, then he would go there, but he hates David and Marissa. Okay, one, I feel like because it's on camera, she should not have mentioned Marissa's name in this segment. Um, even if that's the case and Marissa's bullying Jace or being mean to Jace, which we've never seen any evidence of whatsoever, I feel like it shouldn't have been mentioned. It's inappropriate to mention Marissa's name at all in this context because Barbara really does not know Marissa at all, does not have anything to do with Marissa. Marissa's an innocent child in all of this. I just, just didn't like it. Um, I, I don't know. It kind of squigged me out to hear Marissa included in this. Second of all, I don't believe a word Jace says. I'm sorry, I just don't. So let's say that this really happened and Jace told Barbara that was sobbing and said that he just hates Marissa and David. One, I'm not so sure that happened. And two, I just don't believe anything he says because I do believe that then he also will tell Janelle that he hates Barbara and hates living with Barbara. Jace is not stupid, and as we'll get into when the fight happens later in this episode, like, he knows Barbara hates David. He has seen Barbara and David scream at each other repeatedly. Of course, he's seen Barbara and Janelle scream at each other, but I think he understands, like, that Barbara loves Janelle and wants Janelle to be around, but she always hates Janelle's boyfriends. There is no way that Jace is ever going to tell Barbara that he likes David, and I I, poor Jace, I just, I really feel like he's playing into both Barbara and both Janelle's sides there. Because, I don't know, I just, I just don't, I don't know if he actually hates David. And I don't, I'm not sure he even said that. And if he did say that, I really believe in my heart, it was probably a reaction to whatever Barbara was saying. I mean, we see her. Do you like David? Do you think Mommy and David should get married? Do you want to go to Mommy and David's house? Like, we see her kind of badgering him. And I don't I don't know, guys. I'm just not... I'm just not a firm believer in this Jace hates David storyline. He doesn't seem to when he's there. And I just... I don't know. I just... I don't know how many times I can say I don't know, but really, I don't, I I just don't know. I just don't know, guys. Um, and Barbara then says, like, that, oh god, that Janelle, like, hates Barbara, but she goes, Janelle's the one who did this. She's the one who took the custody papers out on me, which I thought was weird. I thought it was a weird statement. 
I think that was Barbara's wife saying that she was pissed at Janelle. And it had nothing to do with Jace. She was pissed at Janelle that Janelle was trying to, like, control the situation and get back at her. I, you know, like, I just, I questioned Barbara's motives as much as I questioned, questioned Janelle's. And she's like, this is all her doing. But, like, I... I don't think it is. I think it's both of their doings. Although she did say that Janelle wasn't willing to go to mediation, which I found half surprising, half not surprising. And then Barbara says, she hurts me so much, it's sickening. And I don't know, I didn't feel like there was a ton of talk, realistic talk about Jace and what Barbara would like to see as an outcome for Jace. It was mostly about how much she hated Janelle at the moment. And... I wish she had said, you know, I'm willing to let Janelle have these dates and this type of custody, and I think it'll be good for Jace to have this. But at this point, I think Janelle and Barbara are just in such a bad place, and they just hate each other so fucking much that there's no way that they can put that hate aside and just think about what's best for Jace. I just don't think the two of them have the ability to do that, which is really upsetting and sad, basically. It's... It's really sad. And I don't know how Janelle and Barbara move forward from here. I, you know, like, David obviously amps this up, but it's so much deeper than David and what David's doing. And I think Barbara said, she's like, well, if David and Janelle break up, like, Janelle will come back to me. But then she'll just find another boyfriend. She'll find another boyfriend that Barbara hates. And I just don't see them mending their relationship. I really wish that they would go to therapy together and work on it. I really, really wish they would. It's it's so needed. Or I think maybe Janelle needs to go to therapy and learn to forgive, and Barbara needs to go to therapy and learn to forget, and then they can go to therapy together. But I just, I'm not sure how they possibly move past where they are right now because they're in such a bad situation and they don't have a foundation of happiness to build on. You know, so I don't really see the motivation for Janelle and Barbara to get along. Because it's not like Janelle has all these happy memories with Barbara and she just wants to get back to there. Maybe they shouldn't move on. Maybe they should go limited to no contact and only talk when it comes to Jace. I mean, really, that's probably the best situation for them. Okay, so now we get the crazy scene. The really crazy scene, which is... I don't know. It's just... It's so... This is a really crazy scene. So, Barbara, of course, won't let Janelle see Jace. Because, as you know, Janelle does this thing where she asks very last minute. And Barbara just isn't into it. Which is reasonable. Janelle always does this thing where, like, she will, at the last minute, be like, I need to see Jace. I need to see Jace. I need to see Jace. And Barbara's like, nope, we already have these plans. And that just sends Janelle into a spiral because the world revolves around Janelle. So... Janelle tracks down Barbara, tracks her down, tracks her down is the word that she uses, at a Mexican restaurant, and David takes secret footage of Barbara ordering wine and drinking some of the wine, and then they go into the restaurant and confront Barbara, and MTV's not there, So David starts recording, and we get a scene of them in the parking lot screaming at each other. Oh, it's really bad. (laughs) So David is, you know, recording and saying, like, you shouldn't drive. Janelle's screaming, you need to take a taxi. You need to take a taxi. And Barbara's like, I didn't drink. I did not drink. And... (laughs) It's so bad. Like, I'm laughing, but it was actually horrific. And Janelle goes, I'm just here to say hello to Jace. (laughs) Of course, little Atlas, Ashley's youngest son. Or is Atlas a girl? I can never remember. And Gabriel are there with Jace. (laughs) Oh, my God. All the kids look terrified. Barbara's trying to grab the the phone out of Jay- or out of David's hand. This is what I mean by fucking um, Barbara knowing that, excuse me, that Jace knowing that Barbara hates David because she's like, fuck you, David. Like, Jace will never go with you, David. You know, this is like all about David. Of course, did you guys notice that, that this is all about Barbara being mad at David, not even mad at Janelle? 
Like, obviously she's mad at Janelle, but I don't know. The anger seems focused on David because she just fucking hates David. Uh, she does say, how many times has David been drinking and driving? Jace tells me he does all the time. <laughs> and I really wish Barbara had pulled up her phone and said, Siri, how many times has David Eason been arrested for DUI? Because if, you know, if she had, she would know that it was three times. David has three DUIs. So that makes this scene really rich. Janelle ha- was arrested with Nate when he, well, she didn't get arrested, but she was with Nate when he got arrested for his third DUI. We know Janelle smokes pot and drives. It, it just, it's really, really rich. And uh, Janelle, like, lets Barbara get into the car after they're screaming at each other in front of the kids, screaming. And Janelle's like, well, I tried. I tried. And it's like, Janelle, shut the fuck up. If you really cared, you would have fucking called 911. <laughs> if she really thought Barbara was drunk and knew she could get Barbara in trouble, she would have called 911. But she knew that Barbara only had one glass of wine and she was allowed to drive. She knew that to be the case. So it's the next day and Janelle's in her kitchen talking to her producer, Kristen. And I just love this scene so much because, you know, Janelle thought this scene was going to like exonerate her and make her sound like Barbara was make her sound right and make Barbara sound crazy. But it just makes Janelle sound even crazier. And it's just like the total fucking self delusion that I'm obsessed with. And it's why I love Janelle. So she explains that she's like, you know, I found her and I took secret pictures. David took secret pictures of her. And then she, I told her she was drinking. I told her she was drinking. And she said she only had one sip. And I said, that's drinking alcohol. And Kristen, her producer, who normally like kisses her ass, which I understand it's her job, like looked exasperated. And Janelle says her and David went back to Barbara's house, knocked on the door. Then David peeked in the window of the garage and saw Barbara's car was there. So they continued to bang on Barbara's door for two hours. Now remember, Jace and the other children are inside this whole time. Janelle doesn't give a fuck. They banged on her door for two hours, then called the police. And she goes, yeah. And then she answered the door for the police. And it's like, yeah, Janelle, of course she answered the door for the police because the fucking police were there. Like, they're police officers. <laughs> Janelle is so out of her goddamn mind. She's so fucking stupid. She, like, she just, she's stupid. And she's, da- you know, her and David were like, babe, we're, we caught her, babe. We caught her. You know, like the whole time they were driving back, they're like, babe, can you believe that? Can you believe we caught her? Like, we're going to show our lawyers her, our lawyers, her lawyers are going to be so scared. Babe, we did it. We did it. We did it. But really, like, they just made themselves look like goddamn idiots. Uh, Barbara told the cops to tell Janelle to get off her property, <laughs> which, like, who can blame her? I'm surprised Barbara didn't call the cops earlier. I'm surprised that she let them knock for two hours. I would have given them about 20 minutes before I called the cops and had them come. And Janelle says that Barbara's attorneys are probably really scared. And then she said a line that made no sense. She said, I don't have to hand in any evidence to the court unless I filmed it without my mom's knowledge. And she knew I was filming this. I think what she was trying to say is I can turn in any evidence as long as my mom knows I was she was being filmed and since she knew I was being she knew she was being filmed I can hand it in I'm assuming that's what she meant but it Kristen like gave a look like was like oh like Kristen didn't know what she meant either and she's she really believes that Barbara's scared that she's gonna lose custody which is just so funny it's just so funny Janelle great segment this week I hope next week it gets even worse I can't wait to see Janelle acquiesce is that how you say that word? I don't know how you say that word. But give up and agree to no legal custody whatsoever and only visitation. So I know this episode is really short. So if you're listening on iTunes and you're not a Patreon member, surprise, you're going to get a whole episode this week. For my Patreon members, I love you babies. Thanks for understanding that I'm having a tough and stressful week. And, you know, this episode will appear as normal for you guys. But iTunes, what's up? You're going to get to hear the final two girls. Surprise. Happy Labor Day. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go to Leah. And Allie is out of the hospital. They're going to see a Dr. Tao this week in Columbus. And Allie's still having breathing problems. We get a scene of them playing with their puppy. And all I can think is, like, why the fuck does Leah have a puppy? This seems like a terrible idea. We get a scene of Corey and Miranda, which we really haven't seen much at all this season. Miranda looks good. She lost a lot of weight. Her face looks really thin. 
And you can tell that they were, like, really freaked out by the breathing stuff. And <laughs> apparently the doctors couldn't find... I don't mean to laugh, but the doctors couldn't find anything. And Corey says, they mentioned breathing and all. That could be an issue in the future. Like, I just... <sighs> the amount of... The amount. The lack of education that Corey, Miranda, Leah, everybody in Allie's life has when it comes to muscular dystrophy... Yeah. Like, not being able to breathe is, like, one of the most, like, common symptoms of muscular dystrophy. I've known quite a few people in my life with muscular dystrophy, and they were all on, like, oxygen. None of them could breathe on their own. Um, it's, it's what happens. And Corey's like, yeah, they said, like, they said, they mentioned something about her respiratory. You know, she has to go and get she gets sleep tests once a year because I need to check her breathing ability at night. Like, I, I'm just surprised that they seem so caught off guard by this. I understand it's scary and I'm not, like, criticizing them for being scared whatsoever. They should be scared. This is a serious thing that happens. But, like, it doesn't seem like they read books on MD or, as I've said before, they're not in support groups. They're not, it, it doesn't even seem like they're Googling, you know? Like, it doesn't even seem like they're reading WebMD and I just... I just can't imagine having a sick child and not over-educating myself on their situation. Um, if you guys didn't notice, Leah's cold is back with a vengeance. Her nose was so stuffed in this episode, and to me, she seemed high in this entire episode. Sorry, guys. I'm on the Leah's getting high train. I think she's snorting pills. I think it's why she cannot breathe out of her nose in any scenes and why her reaction seems so delayed at all times. And I don't mean in, like, she's just stressed. I just have to call it like I see it. She paints the girl's nails and has a little talk with Allie. And she's like, Allie, are you having trouble breathing? And Allie's like, what do you think? <laughs> Allie even knows that the adults around her are stupid and uneducated when it comes to her illness. <laughs> Allie's fed up. Allie's fed up with them. Did you guys notice Leah's extension during this scene when she was painting Allie's nails? You could, like, fully see the clip-on track. <laughs> they looked really... Um, Allie explains what it feels like when she can't catch her breath. It sounds a lot like an asthmatic breathing episode. And they talk about how Allie's going to have to get an echocardiogram. And Allie was like, yeah, I love getting those. <laughs> Which, Allie's so cute. I don't... We barely saw Gracie this episode. So, they drop Addie off at Grandma Sandy's house, who I believe is Jeremy's mom. No, Grandma Sandy's her mom... Her grandma, but that wasn't her grandma. I think that was Leah's... Excuse me. I think that was uh, Jeremy's grandma or mom because she said something about, like... I don't know. I'm all fucked up. I guess that was Grandma Sandy. Did anybody notice which grandma that was? But... Leah seemed really high in this scene. Like, I thought she was exceptionally high. And the grandma asks, I, I wrote Grandma Sandy in my notes, but I might have just been writing that because I know that's what Leah's grandmother's name is. But um, they ask if they're going to check Allie for asthma, and Leah's like, well, she's not wheezing and her lungs are clear. And she goes, God forgive me, I'd never result to the worst. But it could be part of her, you know. <sighs> this is like what drives me nuts. She's like, God forbid me for even mentioning this, but it might be her muscular dystrophy. Although she won't even say muscular dystrophy out loud. Leah, it's okay. It's okay to recognize that this could be muscular dystrophy. That's what, it's a symptom of muscular dystrophy. This is what's happened. Like, to say, you know... To say, like, even mentioning it out loud, she has to say, like, God forgive me, and I would never want to hope for the worst, just shows, like, how little they're willing to accept. We get a scene of, they go back to the house to pick up Allie's wheelchair, because she's like, we have to bring the wheelchair that Allie uses at home. And I'm like, does Allie not, does Allie have an outside wheelchair? I thought Allie had one wheelchair and was supposed to be using it outside the house, too. Um, and the dog is outside and, like, went through the trash. But I'm wondering why the dog was just, like, outside by itself when nobody was home. But, you know, who knows? Who knows in West Virginia? And 
it's so obvious that they don't take this wheelchair anywhere because Leah had to put the wheelchair in the car. And first of all, I don't know why she doesn't have a handicap accessible van. This It was a whole production. They had like a ramp that they had to wheel it up. She had to have the MTV security guy help with her, help her do it. It was like a big production. Like when she got it in, she was like, yes. So you can tell that she's not putting this wheelchair in the car regularly. As I've said repeatedly, like, it's so clear to me that she's not making Allie use the wheelchair. However, in the final scene, we get Allie, excuse me, we get Allie and Leah talking, and Leah says, maybe you should start using your wheelchair wherever you go. You're getting old enough to decide that you need to use it. Which, it's like two steps forward, one step back. That's wonderful. Leah, I'm so happy to hear that you want Allie to use the wheelchair wherever you go. But I don't understand why she's putting it on Allie and being like, you're old enough to make that decision now. Like, you, no. Why don't you step in and as her mother, tell her that this is the way it's going to do. This is the way it's going to happen. Allie, kids don't make choices like that, you know? Like, you can't put being different on a kid because a kid is never going to choose to make themselves different. They're just not. It has to be a a decision by the parents that's in force in a way that's comfortable with the child. And I mean, yeah, it's great to have Allie, like, included on decisions, but she basically just, like, put all the responsibility of the wheel, using the wheelchair on Allie. And I'm sorry, Allie's not 12, she's 7. Like, there's, there's a big difference. Allie's in the first grade, not the sixth grade. You know, like, she's still very young. These kids are still very young, I, which I kind of forget sometimes. I don't know about you guys, but... They seem a lot older because we've been watching them grow up for so long. But in the grand scheme of things, like, they're in first and second grade. So they still need their moms to make decisions for them. Uh, I'm excited to see next week. I hope we see the doctor, like, really, really ream out Leah and Corey for their lack of the helmet use, lack of the wheelchair use, and let them know that... You know, the breathing issues and the deterioration is going to come if they're not having Allie take care of herself. So, yeah, I hope we get a good episode next week with that. I like when they go see the doctor. I love the doctor. Okay, our final mom this week is Kale. And surprise, Kale dropped the PFA. (laughs) Also, I totally, like, forgot Kale was pregnant in these scenes. And they panned down to her belly. And I was like, what happened to Kale? And then I was like, oh, dumbass, she's pregnant. I was like, wow, she's not carrying her weight well. So stupid. I, like, totally forgot. (laughs) I don't know how I forgot, but I I forgot. By the way, Baby Low still has no name. (laughs) I think she's attached to calling it Baby Low, and that's why she's, like, not able to pick a name. But at what point do you you have to just decide on a fucking name? It has to be soon, Kale. So her and Javi talk on the phone, and she lets him know that the PFA was dropped, and he's like, okay, well, like, I'm glad it, it still seemed pretty unnecessary, and she's like, well, it worked for me, you know, right into bitch mode, God forbid Kale admits a mistake, but she's like, well, with soccer coming up and drop-offs, like, we have to be able to be around one another. I'm glad Kale came to her senses. The PFA was unnecessary at that time, in my opinion. So, it's Lincoln's first soccer practice and Isaac's first game, and Lincoln's like, where's Javi? <laughs> And Kale said, your dad is going to be there. And then Lincoln says, mom, you're so mad at my dad. And she's like, I'm not mad at your dad. Ooh, Lincoln's young, guys. Lincoln is four in these scene, in this season, I think, four. So, you know, things are pretty bad if the four-year-old is, like, able to clearly say, like, you're mad at my mom or you're mad at my dad. Yikes. Uh... They get there and Javi's there and right off the bat, right in front of Lincoln, no fucking wonder he knows that Kale's mad at his dad because she's like, what, you're not going to put cleats on him? He's just going to wear, he's going to wear sneakers and Javi's like, he's going to put the cleats on on the grass. Like, it's just a stupid little throwaway fight that didn't need to happen, but neither one of them can help themselves. So Lincoln has the cutest little meltdown. He doesn't want to play soccer. It's so cute. He goes over to cry on Kale and I... They made him play, which I thought was the right thing to do. I think he was just feeling a little overwhelmed. And Javi was like, nope, we're finishing. Like, we're going to do this. And I, I liked that. I'm glad that they didn't just let him stop playing. And also, I want to commend Kale because I feel like she's really uh, chilled out on her crazy soccer mom thing that she was doing. <laughs> she was, like, acting really crazy. 
But remember, like, a couple seasons ago when she was like, kick the ball, Isaac! <laughs> and Joe and V were sitting on the sidelines like, he probably won't be a soccer star. <laughs> so, yeah, she seems to have chilled the fuck out when it comes to that, which is great. Um, Lincoln stops crying. He plays soccer and he has a fun time. And then Javi sits down with her to watch Isaac. And Javi's like, so when's your due date? And she's like, I'm not telling anyone. And Javi goes, when was the last time we were together like this? <laughs> And Kale was like, don't start. Just don't start. And Javi's like, start what? And she's like, don't make it weird. You're making it weird. Which I think Kale and Javi live in like this weird space where they maybe still want to fuck, but actually like also hate each other and can't stand each other, but then sometimes like each other and can stand each other. And I think neither one of them ever knows how to act <laughs> at all. And I, I just, I think they're in a weird spot. I'm really glad that Kale dropped the PDF. I hate that Lincoln knows that they're fighting. But, you know, I just want them to be, I want them to be in a good place for the sake of their kids. So, yeah, that was this week. I hope you guys have a great long weekend. I hope you have a long weekend. If not, I worked in the service industry for like a million years. I understand what it's like to not have off on any holidays. Thanks for understanding. Uh, my roommate literally just texted me that we don't have hot water and apparently haven't since yesterday. So <laughs> just one more, one more thing. <laughs> I'm having a fucking week, guys. Um, everyone, please play, pray that Hurricane Irma does not come and knock me out. I would love to be here next week to record a podcast for you guys. Oh, everybody pray for me. Pray for my sanity. Pray for my apartment. <laughs> pray for the weather. I love you guys. I hope you have a great week. Kisses. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards. www patreon.com slash ebpsychos and come on over to our Facebook page for more discussion.